Well, Peace Church family and friends, today is the day that the Lord has made, so we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. No, 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 no. It is Easter Sunday. This is our day, people. This is the day that the Lord has made, so we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. 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 I tell you what, the world is lacking joy, and there is a one people group who can bring it, and it's those who follow Jesus Christ. So let's show the world the joy of the Lord at all times, no matter what we're facing. He is with you. I'm praying today you hear that hope. So I, uh, I, I got to take a moment and say hello to those who are joining us downstairs in our venue. Hello to you. I want to say hello to those who are joining us in our chapel. Good morning. I want to say hello to those who are joining us in our gym. How are you doing this morning? I can't hear you, but go ahead and let me know anyway. And of course, I want to say hello to those who are joining us in our greenhouse, worshiping the gardens across the street. Go ahead and make some noise if you're across the street there. Let us, let us hear you all the way across from here. I also want to say hello to those who are joining us online. Whether you are joining us from a forced quarantine, a self-quarantine due to health issues, or if you are just on spring break, Thank you so much for joining us online and in spirit. To everyone who can hear me right now, I say, Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you. <laughs> As we get going today, let me make it clear. We are here because a miracle happened. We are here because the love of God changes people's lives. We are here because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And we're actually concluding a sermon series today. And we've, we've been calling it The Verdict. And for the last number of weeks, we've been looking at the trial of Jesus Christ, his final trial before his execution. But today we're going to look at the triumph. The triumph. If you have your Bible, go ahead and encourage you to turn there, to turn there to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start at verse 62. Today is about the triumph of Jesus. And what is the triumph? Well, let me tell you, his triumph is the thing that makes or breaks the Christian faith. Without this triumph, there is no Christian faith. And the triumph is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible, the Bible itself says this. It says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus Christ did not bodily, physically rise from the dead, then I am wasting my time and so are you. And we can all just cut now and go right to brunch. But if, if he did rise from the dead, if Jesus Christ was who he said he was, if he did in fact rise and walk out of that grave, then that makes that day the most, without comparison, the most important day in all of human history. And with pretty accurate, uh, accurate ideas of, of how history has played out, we've pinpointed this day. It was actually Sunday, April 5th, in the year 33 AD. And so we're going to read of this account of Jesus rising from the grave, but our the passage we're going to read actually starts the, uh, the day before, on Saturday, April 4th. So I'm going to read. I encourage you to follow along. It will be on the screen, but I do encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles, whether you're here or in one of our venues. Hear the word of the Lord, and I'm praying that you also hear hope in the Lord. Matthew chapter 27, 
We'll start at verse 62. It says, the next day, that is the day after the day of preparation, and just to clarify, Friday was the day of preparation because Saturday was the Sabbath, and the Jews could do no work on the Sabbath, so they spent Friday preparing for the day for which they couldn't do any work. So Friday was the day of preparation. This is the day after. It is Saturday. After the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. And to clarify, Pilate here is the governor. And they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter, speaking of Jesus, how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he's risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be first, worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting the guard. Chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, went to, the, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said, come. See the place where he lay. Then quickly, then go quickly and tell his disciples all, uh, go and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet. And they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and prepare our hearts. Would you pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we pray that by the presence of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the resurrection, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your love and your truth, that we would receive the gospel today. 
marking a newness in our lives from this day forward for your glory and for the joy of the world. And it is in the name of the resurrected Savior we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So what I want to do as we get started today is I want to I highlight and talk about the tension that we all face. And then I want to talk about the truth that confronts this tension. So first thing, the verdict is that there is a tension. The world is in darkness. Scripture tells us this. John chapter 3 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. But we love the darkness because we love the sin in our lives. And so we remain in darkness. It's kind of like that scene from that movie. You've seen that Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises, when Batman is fighting Bane. Bane says something to Batman that I think just highlights all of human nature. This is what he, this is what he says to Batman. He says, I was born into darkness, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man, but by then it was blinding. See, we have become so accustomed to the darkness. We've become so accustomed to our own actions, which are sinful in the sight of God. And because we've become so, so accustomed to the darkness, when the light shines on us, it offends us. It blinds us. We want to reject it. We can't handle the light that has come into the world. And have you noticed the evolution of our acceptance of sin? See, sin, it used to be this evil thing. And then it became like this secret thing. And it was this secret thing that we all acknowledge that it's a little enticing. And actually, it's a little bit entertaining. And so we made it entertainment. And we laughed with it. And we welcomed it into our homes. And, be and because of this, we became desensitized to it. And because we came, became desensitized to it, we welcomed it into our homes. It became an option for us, if we wanted to, because we were so accustomed to it. Well, now it is coming full circle and sin is not just something that we are accustomed to. It's something that we fully accept. And not just fully accept, but we as a people, we now say that sin is what is morally right. And if you disagree, then you are morally corrupt. And we welcome sin, and we said it's morally right. And when the light shines on us, we need to shield ourselves from that light and we do this by calling our sin pride-inducing names like enlightenment or progress so that we can feel better about ourselves when the light hurts our eyes. And as the darkness grew, the light became more blinding to us. We have succumbed to momentary cultural movements rather than holding to eternal truths. We as a people, we decided to hate our enemies like somehow that's going to make the world a better place. We as a people, we have lusted, absolutely foamed at the mouth, lusted for the affirmation of our identity from the world rather than embracing the formation of who God is creating us to be. 
Yes, there is a tension in our hearts, and it's to bend us away from the things of God. But there is a truth that confronts that tension. Let's talk about a few of them. There is a truth, and it is that Jesus has triumphed. So the first thing, Jesus has risen to be our revelation, to be our truth. It's called the gospel. I was not a Christian my whole entire life. Uh, Before I became a Christian, I had no idea how personal the gospel was. If you would have asked me what is the gospel, I would have said it's that it's something out there. It's like out there. I had no idea that the gospel was something that we were supposed to embrace in here, in our hearts. Before I became a Christian, I probably would have said the term, God is all loving. But I probably would not have believed God loves me. So I'm going to tell you something that you will not hear on the nightly news. I'm going to tell you something that they will not publish in the New York Times. That we are sinful people who deserve, who rightly deserve the judgment of God. Is God all loving? Yes, God is all loving. But listen to me, that's not all he is. He is also all righteous. He is the perfect standard of justice. He is perfectly just. He is the perfect righteous judge who who sees our sin and judges it rightly for what it is. Because he is a good judge, he must condemn sin. And I have heard this so many times, and I guarantee you have heard this so many times, if not said this next line yourself. How could a loving God send people to hell? Listen to me. I'm not saying this is a simple thing or an easy thing to embrace, but it's a pretty simple equation. You see, when we sin, We have to realize that our sin is no innocent thing. We may laugh at it, but it is no innocent thing. When we sin against an eternal God, then it stands to reason that we should get an eternal punishment. That's just logic. And to sin against a supremely holy and good God, it stands to reason that our sin demands a supremely horrible punishment punishment. This is hell. Hell is both absolute horror and eternal. But listen to me. It is perfectly just. Those who are in hell and those who are sent to hell deserve to be there. It is the perfectly just punishment for when we sin against an eternally holy God. And listen to me, you don't have to be culturally conditioned for that to not like that. I don't like the sound of that either. Who would like the sound of this? But we can't boil all of existence down to just a set of mathematical equations and scientific theories. The beauty of reality is that there is more to life than that. Love and justice and honor are real things because God is real. And while the justice of God demands that our sin be held to account in the judgment of hell, the greatest news you will ever hear, and the reason we exist as a church, is to tell you that even in your sinfulness, the love of God still pursues you, and it still pursues me. 
And it's the gospel that God would send his son to seek and to save sinners as we were sinning against him. This is called the gospel, and there is no greater love. That Jesus Christ lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Justice, the justice of God has been satisfied because sin has been paid for on the cross. But the mercy of God has also been satisfied in that we don't have to pay for our own sin. And the justice of God and the mercy of God come together in the grace of God. And that's what we get to have in Jesus. On the cross, Jesus Christ is able to fully pay for our sins as long as he is fully the Son of God, and the resurrection proves this. This is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crux of all human history. So let's go back to our passage. Let's go back to these two Marys. They come to the tomb to take care of Jesus' body that was brutally executed. An angel shows up, and a miracle happens, and look what happens. We'll go to verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified he is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. I love this. The angel says, you need to see this for yourself. Walk into the empty tomb and see that it's empty. Listen, what the angel said to the women, I say to you, you need to figure this out and discern this in your own heart as well. The tomb is empty. You have to make this decision for yourself. I can't make it for you. You have to understand this in your own heart that Christ has been raised from the dead. This is our revelation. This is the truth that we also need to plant in our own hearts. And this line, this is just one of the most important lines. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. See, our world our world has forgotten that truth, truth has consequence. Because these women now know that the tomb is empty, this is a revelation that revolutionizes their lives. And so look what they do. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples, men, men in the house, listen up. These two women, these two ladies, they show us the way. As soon as they know the truth of the resurrection, the focus of their lives change and the mission of their lives begin, and it's to tell people that Jesus is alive. It says that they ran. These, these women, they, they ran to tell his disciples. They ran. When's the last time you ran to tell anybody anything? I tell you right now, if it's been a while, then you need some better news in your life. And hopefully you can hear that in the gospel. The gospel is worth running to tell other people about. The women ran, and as they were running, behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Like, of all the things the risen Jesus could have said, he says, hello. Like, they are running to tell people. He meets them where they are. He meets them in the middle of what they are doing. And he says, greetings. Jesus met 
them. They didn't run to Jesus. Jesus came to them because no matter where you are, Jesus will meet you. He will meet you where you are, in your pain, in your brokenness, in your darkness, in your doubt. Jesus will meet you because we have a God. We have a God that meets us where we are because he wants to be with us. And he wants us to be with him. He's not going to wait around. He's going to come and meet you where you are. He is there, present, and he says greetings. Question is, are you going to have the heart to see this? The resurrection is the revelation. It's also our reason. Jesus has risen to be our reason, our purpose. Let's look at the end of verse 9. Verse 9 9 started out, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And then they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. These women are the first to teach us that the proper response to the risen Jesus is worship. And they bowed down and took hold of his feet. Let me tell you right now. That is the great aspiration of my life. Everything in my life that I am pursuing it will culminate and the great height of my life will be when I get to bow down and worship at the feet of my Savior who loved me and gave himself up for me. And he loved you and gave himself up for you and went to the cross to die for your sins. But because we have a powerful Savior, he triumphed over Satan's sin and death itself and rose again. And he will meet you where you are. The name of Jesus brings truth and purpose and hope when the world rings hollow. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know how much more it will take for you to see that the world has nothing to offer. Everything it offers, confusion, bitterness, brokenness, we question the validity. Everything in the world rings hollow. But Jesus offers true hope. Jesus has risen to be our resurrection. That even though we may die because of Jesus, we will yet live. He is our great hope. So let's join up with the disciples. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I just, I just love how open and honest and real the scriptures are. What other religious teachings would say that the most devoted followers also have a little bit of doubt? This was overwhelming. They were normal men, and they were overwhelmed by the gravity of the moment, and some doubted, but some doubted. This just shows us, just as with the guards at the tomb, that the reality of the resurrection isn't a fail-safe for people's belief. There can be doubt hidden in some hearts, but listen, this doesn't stop Jesus from issuing the Great Commission. He didn't wait till they were perfect before he sent them on mission. He sent them as they were with what he had given them. Doesn't stop Jesus from issuing the great, from great Commission. It doesn't stop them from going to grow in their faith to the point where each of them are willing, willing to be a martyr for the faith. Doubt and questions are welcomed here at Peace Church. I, I know it may not always seem like it, but doubts and questions are welcomed here. I want to help you work through your doubts and questions, and I want to be open and honest about mine. 
I do not doubt that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I've given my life to spread that word. But I got questions. I got questions for God. I got questions about God. And I want to work through mine and I want to work through yours. But listen, even in the midst of my lack of knowledge, that hasn't stopped God from using me. And he won't let that stop him from using you if you make yourself available. It's a formation process. We call this sanctification. You will grow in knowledge as we pursue Jesus. The awesome thing about our Lord is that he may not give us all the answers on this side of eternity, but he does give us the truth. And truth is better than answers. He is the truth and the purpose and the hope, and he is one with authority. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If there is a single verse in scripture that can make me cry, it's this one. He will be with us always to the end of the age. See, this is why you can't just put Jesus on the shelf next to every world religion teacher. He says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and to him alone. We have a savior who has moved heaven and earth to be with you, to be with you even to the end of the age. And I'm praying that he's moving your heart right now. Listen, like heaven and earth are easy to move compared to the human heart. When the human heart decides to be sealed shut, it's really hard to break that open. But if there's one who can, it is Jesus Christ. Let's go back to the beginning of our passage, the very beginning. Our passage began by saying that the governor and the religious leaders says that they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. By sealing the stone and setting a guard. You see, the tomb of Jesus Christ was not just sealed with a heavy stone. This heavy stone was itself sealed shut, meaning it was glued shut with wax, and more than likely a Roman insignia was put on it, which meant no unauthorized opening. This thing was not just closed shut, it was glued shut with wax. And I know that there are people here and there are people who are listening to me right now that through pain and hurt, through broken marriages, through death, and through darkness, that your heart has been sealed shut. And the pain of this world has put its stamp on it and keeps it shut. But I'm here to tell you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about breaking things open. Breaking things open that have been sealed shut. Breaking them open to new life so that light can shine in. Not light that offends us. Not light that blinds us. But light that shines on us. And listen to me. And light that now makes us shine. Jesus is the light of the world, but he now says, you are the light of the world. This is what the power of the resurrection confirms for us. That Jesus can do this. And this new life that Jesus promises is eternal 
life. Just like our sin demands an eternal punishment, the victory of Jesus demands an eternal reward. And that eternal reward is eternal life with him to be with us all the way to the end of the age. Jesus Christ can break open hearts that have been sealed shut. But listen to me. Even though he can break them open, he can crack the seal and roll back the tomb, you still have to invite him in. You still have to welcome him in as your Lord and Savior. So let today, whether you're here in this room or in one of our venues, let today be the day of salvation for you. If you are ready to stop chasing the things of this world which are falling apart, then it is time to embrace that the love that God has for you and the grace that he has for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus has won, and that makes him worth it. And you will find no better news, and you will find no greater love than the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. I want to take a moment, and I want to speak to Christians in this house. In this house or in one of our venues, I want to speak to the Christians If you're looking on and reflecting on your life and you're realizing that you have not been pursuing Christ with your whole heart, if you look on your life and you realize you've put other things in the place where God has been and you want to change that, then listen to me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to take a knee. I'm just going to say this. If you know that there is work to be done in the name of the Lord that you're not doing, then get to it then just get to it. You have a Savior who sees it all. He sees your failings. He sees your shortcomings. But listen to me. He wants you still. He calls you still. He will send you on the Great Commission still. So don't do anything other than just get to it. When we close in worship, raise your voice. Raise your hands, raise your voice, and worship him for the God that he is. But if you are not a Christian, if you're hearing me and your heart is being moved right now, I don't think you can explain it. I don't think you can fully understand it. But let me just say that's God working in you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit calling you, calling you to leave the things of the world, calling you to repentance and to embrace the love that you will only find in Jesus. Let me be clear. You cannot earn your salvation. It is fully and wholly and solely the work of God. It is the work of Jesus. You cannot earn it. You just have to accept it. So if you have not yet accepted the love that God has for you in Jesus, if you have not yet believed in the name of the resurrected Savior, let today be the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to say a prayer with me at the end. And I'm going to invite everyone to say this prayer. Whether you've been a Christian for 100 years or whether you just want to be a Christian starting today, I'm going to ask everyone to say the same prayer with me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whether you're in this room or in one of our venues, would you all please just stand up? Salvation is a thing that starts between you and the Lord. So I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your heads. You don't need to look around. This isn't for anyone else between you and the Lord right now. If you are ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, embracing what he's done for you in his life, death, and resurrection, if that's you, whether you are here or in one of our venues with all heads bowed, will you just raise your hand up saying yes to Jesus for the first time? 
And whether you've been a Christian for decades or just for today, I'm just going to invite everyone to say this prayer with me. Let's say it out loud with your heads bowed. Repeat after me. Lord God in heaven, I believe in the name of Jesus who has been risen and reigns over all. I acknowledge my sin and my need for a Savior. So I repent of my sin and I welcome you into my life and into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my life and form me to be who God is creating me to be. Thank you for this salvation that I now have through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen, 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 amen. There are people now who have just come and receive Jesus for the first time. And let me tell you, if that is you, the angels, the Bible tells us the angels are throwing a party right now in heaven. And so we get to respond in kind as we get to sing now. We're going to sing that Jesus is better. If you believe that, then make sure you sing out loud.